Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Buyers Automotive and Letterman Row. I'm your host, Jeremy Birmingham. Today, we're going to be talking about a number of things, including just how great it is that college football is back and how the game's and the atmospheres at these games around the country can really impact recruiting. We'll also talk a little bit about where the Ohio State coaches were on the road. So let's get to it. We're back. Welcome back to Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast. Again, I'm Jeremy Birmingham. There is Zach Carpenter, Spencer Holbrook. And joining us today for the first time is Andrew Ellis. Most of you in the Ohio State recruiting world know him as Andrew, I guess, because that's your name. But uh, the Teddy Heisman from the world of the wonderful world of, of the Internet. Um, boys, first weekend of college football has come and gone. Like, how good did it feel just to watch real football, but to hear the crowds, to see the atmosphere is like, it's crazy how that changed everything around the country. It's unbelievable. The, the best game of the night was last night, too, after a crazy jam-packed uh, Saturday, Saturday games. And the best game came on a Sunday night. And. I said this to you guys that one of the one of the crazier rules in college football led to like the coolest moment of the entire weekend. So um, I, I forgot how much I love college football until it was finally back because it felt like this was some in a weird way an even longer offseason than last offseason because something was happening every day last year that was just like, I mean, that you didn't see coming. And then this one just felt like it was a long drag to the to the end. So it's unbelievable to have it finally back. Yeah, the, McK- the, McK- the Mackenzie Milton thing would have been cooler if like they didn't choke, you know? Right, like, it could have gone from a that. Disney script to a Tarantino script real fast. Right, why all that it, come, all that comeback is fun, but then you choke and you can't and you fumble. Why did it? Why did it take um, an injury or whatever for them to put him in? It seemed like he was far better than the <clears throat> than what they had out there before that. But it was still a cool story. So yeah, Spencer, I know you were enjoying it. Where were you? You know, once we got home from Minnesota, did you go hiking in the woods and find a TV in the middle of the forest somewhere, or what did you do? No, I had two screens in my living room and uh, enjoyed the day of football. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching a former Michigan running back go to the West Coast and then proceed to beat the tar out of LSU on a down-to-down basis. That was a lot of fun. Uh, So, uh, yeah, that was probably my highlight of the weekend, was just watching LSU do that to – uh, Coach O, uh, you know, you got to really feel for those LSU folks. It sucks to see them do the what they did. Yeah, it's been a while since the SEC's had any good news, so I'm sure that uh, they're really hurting there. You know, I think it was interesting. I was watching those games, and, I, and I, I'm watching, you know, specifically the Big Ten, and you see what happened with Muhammad Ibrahim on Thursday night. He's out for the year now. Ronnie Bell, explosive, he's out for the year now. But you're looking around the league, and like – Rakeem Jarrett at Maryland, for example, like there's every team, David Bell at Purdue, everybody has these, these game breakers. And I think that the league is just sort of changing in a way that's like really a positive for the entire league, because there's some, there's some dudes in this, in the big 10 that uh, are really, really dynamic. And 
you know, you watch Penn State, for example, and we'll start there with, with the Nittany Lions because we'll talk about Drew Aller and the Buckeyes visiting him. But, like, that wide receiving core, it's not great. It's not Ohio State level. But uh, it seems like if they're open 50 yards down the field without anyone covering them, that they can be pretty decent. And it's, it's funny you say that because um, talking to some uh, some parents and coaches and stuff in the in the South over the last few weeks, um, there was even up until the last year, there's this perception about Ohio State of, I mean, for decades, it was that kind of ground and pound classic Big Ten smash mouth football. So that's still in the minds of some uh, some people down there. It's still that's still kind of the perception of the Big Ten, not like this. Uh, the spread out explosive offenses that um, and explosive talent, the skill positions that we're starting to see. So um, I think I think you're right on there that this, I guess, could be sort of a turning point for the conference itself and seeing um, and changing perceptions uh, in that area of the country potentially. You had to add Brett Bielema back to the league to to really elevate the coaching around the conference, right? He had a rough weekend. <laughs> Spencer, uh, Ohio State coaches were on the road, and we have a pretty good handle, I think, where pretty much everyone was. Um, There's three specific things I want to talk about uh, that I think are the most relevant for Ohio State's current interest. Number one, Corey Dennis did go to Medina and see Drew Aller. Uh, Ryan Day and Brian Hartline went down to the IMG Cincinnati LaSalle game, where Zach was, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Larry Johnson going over to see Caden Curry at Greenwood High School. Uh, I'm sorry, Cedar Grove High School in Greenwood, Indiana. Like, just basically underscores how important Caden Curry is to this football recruiting effort. Because we're talking to a kid now that's been recruited by Ohio State for 18 months, and he's visited campus for one three-hour stretch, and yet the Buckeyes are still the presumptive leader in his recruiting battle. So, how important is it, Spencer, do you think that Larry Johnson went there first and didn't go to like Philadelphia or didn't go down to Florida or somewhere else? Yeah, I think it shows the priority. You know, we talk about the priority at the safety position with Xavier Wampa and uh, Zion Branch. And, and those are like the two guys that they're recruiting. But like when you look at the way the Buckeyes are recruiting Kaden Curry, Larry Johnson has his priorities straight. He has them set. He knows what he wants. And I think this just underscores that to to a level that we didn't really know before until now. I think you really get a full picture of like just exactly where he lands on that totem pole as far as defensive line recruits because he's a local kid. And like you always say, Berm, if he was in the South, he would probably be a top 40 player. But the fact that he's in Indiana kind of puts him down the rankings a little bit. But he's an elite level player that the Buckeyes need to get from the Midwest. And I think they showed that this weekend. Zach, you you have a sort of a better read on Caden Curry than a lot of people. I know you got a good relationship there. Like, do you feel that that matters? Is that Ohio State prioritizing him the way they do? Has that made a difference, or is it just a situation where he has his five schools and that's all he's focused on? So what they do doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, it it goes both ways, right? I mean, they've been prioritizing him for eighteen months after just his sophomore season, um, and I, I think there's. Larry Johnson has been putting his attent- his focus, uh, his focus on Caden Curry, and go like you said, uh, shows how much, um, shows how much uh, they're prioritizing him by being the first one to go there, and that's vice versa too. I mean, they're they've only scheduled uh, one official visit so far, and that's still to Ohio State this coming weekend for the Oregon game. Um, I know, uh, I'm pretty confident they will schedule other official visits to to Alabama and 
I'm sure they'll get over to Indiana. Um, they have Clemson and Oregon on the, the top five as well. But the fact that, in my opinion, the fact that they have only scheduled one um, it, and that's still Ohio State, I think that kind of shows that they're both kind of in a whole position, I guess. Um, Teddy, what is the old adage we would, you know, as we look at the old recruiting rules that we've learned over the last 15 years uh, in this world, like which which adage applies here? Is it watch what he does and not what he says? Is it relationships matter? Which, which one is it? Well, I mean, in terms of him scheduling the Ohio State visit before any of the others, that would fall under the watch what he does, not what he says thing. But I, I've always, you know, the comfort and relationships is always priority number one, I think, when it, when it comes to these things. And, I mean, he's been, like you guys said, he's been top of the board for a long while now. I think his baseball schedule kind of slowed things down a bit, and he could be way further along now, obviously, if it hadn't been for the pandemic and whatnot. But, um, I mean, he's he's the top guy on the defensive line board, and Larry Johnson going out there this weekend only only kind of solidifies that. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a, a feeling for me that his potential as a, uh edge guy or a you know, defensive tackle, a three-tech, if, if that combination makes him that much higher because the numbers are still sort of – wonky for Ohio State I mean I don't know if they like all year long we've been sort of operating under the pretense that they're going to take five defensive linemen but then you start to look around you can they really afford to take five uh, I think they can and I think they should especially if you look at the depth of the current defensive line and what's all leaving but Spencer like as a player who's versatile doesn't that just double his impact and his importance yeah I think he's the kind of guy that could play inside could play outside and and could be a a really dominant player, no matter where you put him. And so I think the versatility is the name of the game here. You know, we talk about all the time, Ohio State recruits a little bit positionless on the defensive side, and that doesn't just pertain to secondary and linebackers and bullets. I think you can trickle that down all the way to the defensive line. You look at JT Twimelow, there were questions about whether he would play defensive end or three tech. You look at, uh, you know, different guys that have come through the program, whether they can play uh, one tech or three tech, sometimes they slide outside. Uh, sometimes they go from defensive lineman to linebacker. Sometimes they go from linebacker to defensive line. So it's all interchangeable. And so uh, if you can be versatile and kind of positionless in the way that you can play, I think it makes sense for Ohio State to go after you over a guy who is a defined, definite defensive end, unless you know that that guy could be a top five pick. Yeah, I mean, that's the and, difference and, and, between and, the – go ahead. Um, along the lines of his position, versatility, and that development plan, I just – I, I – now I realized over the last couple of months, like how important that is because I got a better sense of the development plans that these, these five schools have for Curry. And I mean, when you look at Clemson, they're the only one that wants him to be purely a three tech and put on like 40 pounds or 50 pounds, whatever the exact number was to be like a Brian Brissy type. And um, w when you look at uh, where, what is best for his college and pro future um, for him personally, it, he has to weigh whether or not, he believes that either Ohio State or Alabama, Oregon, um, the three that are uh, they're recruiting him as a, a kind of a two for one special there as a as a defensive end or pass rusher out of the three spot. Um, he now has to he has to evaluate whether whether going to Clemson as a three tech or those uh, going down that path is the best for him. And um, yeah, so I think that that's kind of what we're seeing here over the last over the last several months. Yeah, and we'll see what happens again. I, I'm with Zach and. 
I, I fully expect that Caden Curry will take other official visits. I'm not like going into this coming weekend with the thought that it's commitment watch season or whatever, however else we want to say it. But, you know, we are in the time frame now where guys like Caden Curry, who've been recruited for a long time, have an opportunity to sort of surprise you because he's not a kid who really loves this process. He's not someone that's out there and, you know, drumming up attention for himself. So if, if he gets that feeling at Ohio State, I, I you know, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he committed after this weekend, but I'm not, we don't have a pre-written thing for it or anything. So like, we're not like waiting, waiting for it. We are kind of waiting for Carnell Tate to make his decision. Um, that will happen on October the 8th. Zach, you were at Cincinnati LaSalle where IMG was, where Brian Hartline was, where Ryan Day ended up eventually. Uh, Carnell Tate did not have a big night against LaSalle. Didn't matter. IMG scored 58 points and, and, and ran over um, the Lancers like they should because uh, IMG, you're an all-star team from with players from all over the country. You don't need to go on Twitter and brag every time you beat a, a basic high school team. It's not becoming um, – uh, I shouldn't have said that. Strike it, reverse it. Um, we'll, we'll cut that. We'll cut that. Yeah. So, like, let's say, Spencer, let's pretend you were a high school uh, football player, okay? And you were, were being recruited by Ohio State and Ryan Day showed up at your game. Would that matter? Uh, yeah. Even though he can't talk to you? <laughs> even, though he can't talk, even though he can't talk to you? He just has to stand there and look at you all creepily? Well, I mean, like, if you're Cardinal Tate, you're – you're playing two hours from Ohio state. So I think it would strike you if some coaches didn't come, but also like Ryan day could have went anywhere in the country. He has a jet. And so he could have went anywhere in the country to watch a high school player Friday night because they didn't play Saturday. They got, they're done with their game and they're probably just now getting into Oregon prep on Sunday and Monday. So like he could have went anywhere and he chose to come to Cincinnati because it's only two hours away. And because you're playing there and you're the next guy that's supposed to commit. So I think it is a big deal. I think it says a lot about where he is on the priority list. I think it actually says a lot about there with Brian Hartline. There's been this certain sense of certainty about recruiting wide receivers. And I don't think that's there with Carnell Tate. And it's a different feeling than you get from a lot of these wide top wide receivers with Ohio state because Brian Hartline's so good. But the fact that Ryan day made that trip, you know, Brian Hartline is one of the, the heavies as it is, but you really bring in the heavies to, to make sure that Carnell Tate knows where you are on the priority list. So Ryan Day makes that trip instead of going anywhere else in the country. Andrew, what do you think Ryan Day's jet is named? Ryan Day's jet? Yeah, like if you had to give it a name, like what would you – what do you think that he would call it? I would go with like Gina or something like that just because it kind of like rolls nicely, like Gina the jet maybe, something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Would it have to be Tina after his wife? Like well, that would be kind of – I don't well, – right? That's a good point. I mean, but his wife's <laughs> the, R the RD Express. Uh, so Zach, you're there watching the RD Express on the on the side. Uh, what you know for these coaches, they haven't been at a high school game in two years. I mean, what was the vibe like when Ryan Day walked in? Was the was the crowd like ooh, or were they like ah, or what was like what was going on? Yeah, it's like dramatic hush came across. They they splash coach uh, welcome coach Ryan Day. It was just a the fireworks works went off in the background. It was unbelievable. It was like a movie, to be honest. No, it, I mean he walks in. He walks in to the end of the third quarter and or uh, the uh, like midway through the third quarter uh, or toward the end of it, and he has some fans yelling Ryan, Ryan, and 
Brian Hartline turns around and I'm like, are you mad that they're not yelling Brian? They're, they're going after, they're, they want the big fish. They want coach day. Um, I mean, he, he sort of has that, that, uh, level headed presence, doesn't he? I mean, uh, he's not like flashy or anything where he's going to be coming in. And it's like this, uh, this unbelievable show, but you do notice everyone notices when, when Ryan day, uh, walks in. Um, and I mean, Brian Hartline was there with his wife, the whole, the whole game stayed there from uh, like 30, 20, 30 minutes before kickoff or uh, whenever he walked in. But um, and then st- they both stayed through the whole thing. And they, uh, it's weird because they can't talk to the, they can't talk to the guys, but they want to make sure that their presence is known, especially when Notre Dame says their offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach there. Um, but I think it did. It, it surprised Carnell a little bit that that uh, Ryan Day was there. And he, he knew Heartland was going to be there. But the fact that both of them showed up. I think that proved that that showed a lot to them and proved how much they value them. Yeah. I mean, but you know, when you're talking about a player like this, again, we know full well, like there's a top 10 list, there's whatever. This is a two team race. Notre Dame has coaches there. Ohio state has coaches there. Like none of them can talk to the players, which I think is the most interesting and dumb thing about the entire thing. Like the NCAA's rules are so, so random and, and just totally subjective. Like, okay, you can show up at their game on the sideline, but don't you dare say hello to their parents. Like, it's just the dumbest thing. You know, as you watch this, Zach, I mean, how many coaches were there for this game? Obviously, LaSalle is one of Ohio's best programs uh, normally. They, they're they not a little down this year. They don't have a, a game breaker type um, like they have in years past. But, you know, what did you see sideline-wise? How many different staffs were there? I mean, I didn't count them up, but there's obviously so Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida State, Cincinnati. There are a couple others um, that I, I can't remember now off the bat, but I know. I mean, there's over a dozen coaches there, whether it's assistants or whatnot. I mean, IMG. Like, I I made a list of the photos I wanted to get of players, and like it was just a it uh, covered the whole sheet because it's like, all right, it's a. I, I someone asked me before the game, like, who are you here to see? I said yes basically here to see everyone. So I think that's kind of the feel that was for the college coaches there too. Um, I know uh, Florida State, I can't remember who they sent, but I mean, you could tell it was an event. It was, uh, I mean, IMG doesn't come to Ohio all the time. At least this time there were actually two actual football teams on the field instead of just one. But I mean, yeah, it was, it was an event. Yeah, well, you know, for you, I know one of the players that really uh, opened your eyes was Malik Bryant, the outside linebacker, edge rusher uh, for IMG. What was it about him that you, like, watching Ohio State's defense, where do you see him fitting? Yeah, it's so weird because that's – I wanted to bring him up because I wanted to ask you guys um, uh, about sort of a potential development plan for him because he does seem like he fits – I mean, all all night he was either rushing off a two-point stance um, – at rushing the pastor, contain the run game, or he was uh, breaking off to cover slots or tight end slot receivers or tight ends. Um, and Georgia, Clemson, Alabama all run that three, four scheme that I feel like he fits perfectly as an outside linebacker in their system. Ohio state runs that four, three base, which obviously could be four, two, five in the future. Um, but they want him in that Baron Browning role. I, I caught up with him after uh, in the summer when he visited Al Washington, why, uh, made the film or broke down Barron's film and Malik's film and made that pitch of, we want you to be fill that Baron Browning role, uh, which he is very, is an attractive option to him. Um, I'm curious, has Ohio state had success with past players in that uh, using a uh, player like 
has there been a, a you know what I'm trying to say, you know what I'm trying to ask, like, have they had success um, developing a player in the Baron Browning mold before? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like know. I mean, did, of it? Did, they, did they develop Baron Browning in that role, Spencer? I mean, that's the thing. Like, what was Baron Browning's position? You know, what, what did he play? He came into Ohio State out of Kennedale High School in Texas as a five-star player, a top-ten player in the country. And he, he had a fine career. Obviously, he had some injury issues. But, I mean, Spencer, where did he actually – what position didn't he play? Yeah, it, it's it's almost like Darren Lee type, Baron Browning type. No, no defined position. I think Darren Lee was a little more quick off the edge and things like that. But when you saw Baron Baron in pass rushing situations, he was really really good. And I think if he would have been molded into a defensive end, he would have been just fine. Um, he struggled a little bit at inside linebacker, played pretty well on the outside, was able to run sideline to sideline. I'm not really sure if there's a a role where you could say, yeah, he could play the Baron Browning role because I think all four of us. And every Ohio State fan would start to scratch their heads and say, well, what was the Baron Browning role? But at the same time, Baron was a pretty good player. And so if you think you can develop a guy into Baron, I mean, more power to you because he's pretty decent. Yeah, I get I get um, I don't want to say frustrated at times because like you look at a kid like Darren or Baron Browning who went through four defensive coaches in his, in his time at Ohio State, three linebacker coaches, three defensive coordinators multiple injuries, all the things that I don't think that you get a true sense of what his actual abilities were because the way that things unfolded for him. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Andrew, Ohio State saw Drew Aller on Friday. Again, they can't talk to him. They can't do anything there except for just show up and be on the sideline with the, the coat with the block O. As a kid who grew up in Ohio, let's say, I like to put these hypotheticals out there. If you guys were committed to another program, like a, a rival of Ohio State, and then the Buckeyes came calling, at what point in your process would you cut it off and say, nope, there's no chance in hell I'm going to listen to you. I'm, I'm completely locked in. Is there a moment, other than the one when your name is on the letter of intent and it's signed and, and sealed and delivered, where you would fully and truly stop thinking about it or considering it? I mean, I think you have to at least consider it just because of all the, you know, coaching staff turnover that happens these days with any and every program. So, I mean, you have to at least keep your options open. I, I think that visit this weekend, the Corey Dennis visit was the most intriguing kind of trip that any of the Ohio state coaches made all weekend. I don't know if his Ohio state fandom is going to be able to kind of surpass the walk right in and play right away at Penn state. I mean, they're like you said earlier, they had wide receivers running open this weekend and they just haven't had a guy to, to really get them the ball for a couple of years now. So yeah. that drew Aller could be that immediately, but I would continue talking to him. If I'm Corey Dennis, I personally don't know if it's going to go anywhere, but you have to try just because of what Quinn Ewers ended up doing reclassifying. Yeah. We, we've talked and, and beat this horse to, to, you know, to death over the last few weeks, but now that like the first step is taken, Spencer, like what do you think should happen? Like if you were the Ohio State recruiting staff and at this point, we're recording this on Monday, Labor Day. As far as I know, there has been no direct contact between Ryan Day and Drew Aller, but Corey Dennis has begun reaching out to the family and talking to them a little bit. Um, and so that at least lets you know the, what we've said the last couple of weeks, like it's coming. How, how hard do you go after him if you're Ohio State? Is it a slow burn all the way to December? Is it a fast, you know, let's go all in, all in to make sure that he knows, like, he's our guy or no one is? Like, how would you handle it? Well, I mean, 
Ohio State's not going to back down. They beat Penn State on the field every, basically every year, um, and, and that's a recruiting pitch. The kid is an in-state player who's a fan of Ohio State. That's a recruiting pitch. Uh, there's a pretty clear path to playing time, believe it or not, with the way the attrition at the quarterback position is going to work at Ohio State. Um, I know that's really hard to sell right now, but if you break it down and put it on paper, it's pretty easy to see a path for Drew Aller to play at Ohio State um, and to play for the school he grew up rooting for. Um, I don't think there's any, like I said, I don't think there's going to be any backing down from Ohio State. I, I would go after him pretty, pretty hard, take a huge swing. If he says no, then just beat him on the field for the next four years. Um, because I don't think there's another option at quarterback, and then you just turn your attention to 23. But I don't think there's any reason not to try taking a big swing and getting him away, because if he's talented enough to play at Ohio State, you think he's talented enough to compete with Ohio State. You don't want him competing with a Big Ten East rival, and so you you, you need to take that big swing, in my opinion. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, and because I, 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 I personally, I, I, I agree. I, like, I would want to take a big swing, too, um, just because I want I want these quarterback dominoes to – to get reset and have the timeline, the timeline reset. Um, but like we've talked about before, uh, with with past committed players, Ohio State's obviously not going to take a massive swing unless they are extremely confident that they're going to flip them. I've seen we've seen that. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With, uh, with, with other Big Ten, other committed players, uh, to like Wisconsin and uh, Notre Dame in the past. So I personally, I want them to take a big swing, but unless they feel like Unless they feel extremely confident, they're not going to go for it. So, but here's the question. So, we all agree. I think that the the pit, the way you have to handle this is to get aggressive and and sort of be the big swinging program in the Big Ten, right? Like that's that's who you are. So, I, I received a, a direct message on Twitter on Saturday morning, and it, it was a picture of the lanyard and name cards of Corey Dennis. Uh, from Medina High School, but right next to it was one for Ryan Day as well. So Ryan was clearly debating between going to that game or going down to Cincinnati and seeing multiple people down there. He saw CJ Hicks as well before he went to the LaSalle game. Do you think that Ryan Day should have gone with with Corey Dennis, or is it a we'll we'll wait and get there later? I I think he made the right decision to wait. Like I mean, I they they haven't even offered Drew Aller yet, and I that's my biggest question is what is going to be that trigger that that pushes them to offer. Is it going to be a straight up decommitment? Is it going to be him telling him that he's going to visit? But just with the way things are, I think Ryan Day made the right decision. He can always take a trip up there later. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to extend like a big uh, number one, I guess here's the thing. If the if Ohio state does offer Drew Aller, um, like officially offer him, I don't think Drew in his current situation would publicize it. First of all, um, and I don't think that Ohio State is going to let me just, okay, let me just, let me try this again. I think if Drew Eller wanted to commit to Ohio State today, he'd be able to w- without like a big public declaration of an offer or something yeah. like that. Berm, I, I think I completely agree. And here's the thing: like th- it would be if Drew Eller, and I'm going to say big if, if he decided, okay. 
I'm ready to reopen this thing. And it's probably going to end up in Ohio State's direction. It's going to be a straight decommitment from Penn State, flip to Ohio State in the same Apple Notes thing. There's not going to be like a public, public offer announcement. There's not going to be anything like that. I think it would just be straight up. Thank you to the Penn State coaching staff. With that being said, I'm committed to Ohio State. Fill in all the Mad Libs there because every recruit does the same thing. I think this is one of those cut and dry things where you don't publicize the Ohio State offer because then the rumors get started and the message boards get started and the speculation gets started. You don't publicize just a straight decommitment because everyone knows where that's leading. Mm-hmm. So if this happens, it's, I, I think it's going to head in the direction of you're going to get a one-time tweet or a confirmation from a source or something where, yes, he has decommitted. Yes, he is committed to Ohio State. There was no time where he was an uncommitted prospect. Okay, I, I'm with you. I agree. Yeah, Zach, what do you think? Uh, no, I think it, it would be like a Quinn Ewers situation. I think the exact opposite, where it would be a commitment announcement, and then like a day or two or however long later, he would announce his Ohio State commitment. Um, I know we saw that with Quinn Ewers, Ryan Watts. We've seen that. We've also seen like Desan McCullough, who um, who just did it all in one fell swoop. I, I mean, obviously, I. Uh, that's the that's the now, nuance now we're getting now we're getting into a really deep down the road. But that's the nuance of recruiting because see the thing with like Desan McCullough that publicly happened in one fell swoop, but the decommitment happened two days prior to that. You know, in private with the with the Ohio State coaching staff. So it's just one of these things where it depends on the timeline of how they're trying to do it. And and we could talk a lot about this stuff. And I I feel like people are probably sick and tired of hearing us talk stuff about Drew Aller brought to you by Byers Auto, but. You know, I, I think it's important because he's he more than anyone else, I think, at this point in the class of 2022 dictates how the class ends up because you have to have a plan at quarterback and we can objectively sit back and look at it. Go, the, the, the odds are pretty high that two of the four quarterbacks on the current Ohio State roster will not be there by the time next season starts. So there, there has to be a plan in place. Um, you know, Drew Aller being the player he is, the long-time commitment to Penn State now. I guess it's not that long. It feels like it's a lot longer than six months, but it's been, you know, six months or whatever. Um, you know, as an Ohio kid, it turns me to to Anthony Brown, the 2023 wide receiver. He was on Bermanology last week and told me straight up, I'll, I'll, I'm not doing anything until next spring at least. I'm waiting to make a decision. Uh, he went to visit Minnesota on Thursday for the Ohio State-Minnesota game and then committed to Minnesota the day after because P.J. Fleck is super, super good at the super, super hard sell. I don't think you look at a situation like Anthony Browns, for example, uh, and and compare it to Drew Aller because the quarterback is such a different thing altogether. But how quickly does Ohio State need to act on Anthony Brown? Because there has been serious discussion about offering him if Zachariah Branch falls through and the Buckeyes can't get him, I think that that's sort of the, the if not this, then this happens. How, how quickly do they need to do that in a situation like Anthony Brown? Anybody? They've, they've got plenty of time to make a move on that one, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, has such a, he has such a great relationship with Brian Hartline. I mean, that's been going on for, for years now. He's camped there multiple times. Um, I don't think it's I, – I think it's a situation where Anthony Brown kind of knows the deal. Artline's been uh, – kept the communication 100% honest and open with him. Um, he knows he knows what the deal is with the potential Ohio State offer down the line. And I, I think, like like Teddy just said, I mean, it's 
it's a situation where they can remain completely patient. And um, I, I don't think the door is closed there at all just because he's committed to Minnesota. But no matter where Anthony Brown goes, he's one of the shiftiest receivers in the country, one of the crispest route runners uh, I saw camp at Ohio State. And I think he's going to be a really good player in the Big Ten for a long time, no matter where he goes. So um, even if he does wind up still committed to Minnesota. So still, no matter where he goes, excited to see him play in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I, I think that this all makes sense to be pretty patient with him. But also, you know, I think he's a really good player. But I think there are times where Ohio State can be Ohio State and realize – well, if we can get a guy who's just as fast but is three inches taller and can play in the slot, go after that guy who you also believe in. Because it's not that Ohio State doesn't believe in his skill. But Ohio State knows he's a really good player. I think Ohio State has questions about his size and what he can do at that size when you play against Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, not against Minnesota, Penn State, and Michigan. And so I think that's the perspective Ohio State needs to look at this at and then say, okay, is his skill enough where he overcomes that size enough to be able to make an impact when we get to a national championship game? And if it doesn't, you, you'd kind of pass on him and let him go to Minnesota. If it does, that's when you make the play on him. Meanwhile, if you can get a slot guy who's bigger, but possesses the same skills somewhere in this 23 class, that's the guy you need to get because that's the guy who's going to give you, I think a higher ceiling offensively when it comes to guy being in the slot. So I think this all has moving parts. I think you're going to still see Anthony Brown's name come up a lot in dotting the I's and talking stuff. I mean, it's going to be a lot, but I think Ohio State's right to be patient here. I agree. And I think that the the real mystery in that recruitment starts this coming weekend because he told me last week he was visiting Ohio State for the Oregon game. P.J. Flick has a very strict um, policy against visiting other schools, but you wonder if because he maybe P.J. Fleck understands the situation as well, that maybe he can't take that hardline stance with Anthony Brown. Uh, but also, like, he probably doesn't visit this weekend because it's like the weekend right after committing. That'd be sort of dumb. But it will be a hell of a game to watch in, in Ohio Stadium. And we're going to talk about that later this week on Talking Stuff. We'll get back for a, a visitor preview um, on Friday and, you know, dive into who's all expected this weekend. But uh, other than that, you guys got anything? Who want to get Spencer? You want to give uh, give Andrew like a, a three man game of in or out just to put him on the spot and get his uh, yeah. tally started? Yeah, Andrew only. Nobody else gets to gets to yep. uh, answer this. Okay, Andrew uh, Carnell Tate. I'm in. I I think he's going to visit Notre Dame and then he announces on October 8th and I think he's going to be back in Columbus that weekend for the uh, Maryland game. So I I feel pretty good about Ohio State there. And, okay. And real quick, yep. He, I, I tried. I asked, uh, asked Carnell after the game, and he said he, the only visit he has lined up is another game for for October second. And but he said no, nothing else is planned. So I think he's keeping a little, keeping his plans a little coy there. Yep. Zach, you broke the rule. All right. Next up, Caden Curry, Andrew, in or out? Uh, Caden Curry in. Always felt pretty good about that one. Nothing's changed on my end. In. Okay. And then the big one. You're the only one I've asked about this, Drew Aller. Uh, I'm going to say out. I just, I just think he's going to see the path to playing time at Penn State quicker. Um, I, I think he's going to end up at Penn State. But that's absolutely worth monitoring, which we will certainly be doing over the coming weeks and months. So I'll say out for now. All right. That's it. That's the end of Talking Stuff, brought to you by Byers Auto and Letterman Row. That is Zach Carpenter, Spencer Holbrook, Andrew Ellis, and I'm Jeremy Birmingham. Thanks for watching. Have a good one.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.